Hello and welcome back to the Billy Sears Club. On our last episode, we talked about You'd Prefer an Astronaut by Hum. And now, let's talk about Lark's Tongues in Aspic by King Crimson. So, general backstory, uh, start off with the group Giles, Giles, and Fripp, because, again, all 60s bands were named like law firms, but, uh, it's a combined with Robert Fripp and brothers Michael and Philip Giles. Eventually, it sort of morphs into the band known as King Crimson today, and they get their first big breakthrough by it being the opening act at a act at a free Rolling Stones concert in London. So a bunch of people get to hear them come on stage, say "Hello, we're King Crimson," start playing their music, which turns out to be this like dark free jazz style of rock and roll, which is all very scary and very serious. Or it is if you know you. I don't know. Some people probably don't find it scary, but I find it a little bit scary sometimes. Uh, and so they put, start putting out albums, beginning with, of course, In the Court of the Crimson King. But fortunately, in their first few years, they have a very unstable lineup. Like most of the members that are on that first album are gone by album three. Uh, the only consistent member in his entire lineup has been Robert Fripp, the leader. Uh, and then around 1974, after a bunch of lineup changes, they decide to, you know, just go on a hiatus for a while. At like the late 70s, Robert Fripp does some solo albums, and it turns out that the uh, alumni of this band are extremely prolific. Like, uh, there have been members that were part of Asia, Yes, Foreigner, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Ministry, the Talking Heads, and plus they've collaborated with like Brian Eno, David Bowie, the B-52s, like the vast majority of like, oh yeah, Roxy Music, like the vast majority of artsy rock bands and also Foreigner have at some point interacted with King Crimson. Also, Kanye sampled them on a Power, so there's a fun fact for you. And reforms in the early 80s with the lineup of Bill Bruford, Tony Levin, Adrian Bellew, and Robert Fripp, and that's actually somewhat stable. The first half of the 80s, they break up again. And getting into the 90s, they start putting out what they call projects, which is just projects but with a uppercase K thrown in there because Simpson. And they're like, you know, just little one, smaller groups that are part of the larger whole. And they start, you know, putting out a couple regular albums in the late 90s, early 2000s, and mostly now stick to regular touring and whatnot. And, you know, very well regarded, you know. Also, they, seems like Robert Fripp has a bit of a reputation because he's, like, very hard-lined and disciplined and a little bit exacting, but also he makes very good points. Like, you know, he, he was a little bit tough on the musicians, but he was also very tough on himself and wasn't, you know, locking them in his house at all. Like, he didn't go Captain Beefheart. Never go Captain Beefheart. And, like, he, you know, does say, says things like, you know, up until 2019, King Crimson wasn't on streaming, but he also had a good point, like, you know, the audio quality isn't guaranteed, and also you're not getting paid for it, and, like, you know, he doesn't want to sign your autographs, unless, of course, you're, you know, at the table where he's signing autographs. You know, he doesn't want you to come up on him while he's having dinner and be like, I want your autograph! But anyway, uh, King Lark's Tongue's in the Aspic. According to what I read, apparently he was getting more into Bella Bartok at this time, the composer, and general Eastern European music, and brings together a lineup with John Wetton of Asia, Bill Bruford of Yes, and David Cross and Jamie Muir. 
he has uh, Bill Bruford and Jamie Muir both play drums and percussion because he felt Muir would be, you know, a little bit, he'd bring a little bit more chaos and edge, but Bruford could play, you know, the parts that he needed to play more straightforward. And so, yeah, Lark's Tongue's an aspect. Uh, what'd you think of this one? I, um, I really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I haven't listened to much King Crimson, but um, definitely right from the start, it's more, you know, it's very, sounds kind of, you know, foreign or uh, more, you know, more classical with that first track for sure. And then um, just kind of some of the movements and stuff definitely more classical influenced um the parts it it really reminded me of Mahavishnu Orchestra I don't know if you've listened to them but kind of that jazz fusion lineup with the and also with the the heavy guitar and then also violin um it's it's a cool it's just like it leads to some very interesting Textures um, that I think are pretty cool. Um, yeah, I overall I I my the one complaint I might have about the album is uh well yeah I don't know it's go for it kind of the yes I I haven't really listened to all that much progressive rock but something i come across a lot is i um they like to incorporate all these different styles and move through these different movements um and a lot of times it it doesn't it feels kind of scattered or yeah i mean with this with this album particularly the first couple of songs kind of create this uh, atmosphere that's kind of uh, kind of fantastical and kind of foreign. Um, even not even the Book of Saturday a little bit. It has this weird imagery and and then Exiles, of course, is kind of I don't know. To me, it's kind of like a medieval night song or something <laughs> but and then but then you have easy money i guess i just don't like easy money that much you don't like easy money i i mean it's a good song i just don't i don't really like the role it plays on the album it mm -hmm. more it's very more to me i i don't know i guess i just interpret it as like this critique of like a like pretentious rich person that's very like socially um, up to date, like um, <laughs> or like I don't know. It just it doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the album and like the atmosphere and world it's creating. Um, but uh 
Huh. Yeah, I mean... That being said, though, I I still... I do think it's a, it's a good song and it's enjoyable. Um, I guess... I guess basically what I... Yeah, something I wrote was that generally I prefer, like... more consistent like a more consistent <laughs> atmosphere and like uh, like a unified world that's like created by the album um and what i mean by that some people i mean when i re- referred it when i would give albums as examples for that to to some people they might just sound monotonous so maybe i just prefer monotony but um yeah it to me it just gets a little jarring sometimes and also just some of a, a couple of the uh like jam solo sessions kind of drag on and i'm like uh okay <laughs> but yeah but anyway you, would you <laughs> care to push back? Yeah, uh, let's see. I would say I definitely... I feel as far as, like, you know, the easy money and the, you know, general consistency of the album, I would personally say that one of the big sound elements of this album is the, you know, big contrast, you know? You even see it within, like, the first Lark's Tongues in the Aspect, you know, it's like pairing off with that sort of soft kalimba sound, and then it goes into the really hard rock, uh, you know, like in 7-4, and it's all weird and janky, and then it goes into the slightly calmer but still tense violin part. So I feel like it's an album that's very much built around these big dynamic clashes, you know, going from soft to loud to soft to loud, and then like and then you have the similar thing on the uh, Book of Saturdays. Not no, Book of Saturdays is the main one that stays consistent. But also on like Exiles and Talking Drum. Then the I guess also Arcs Tongues to Electric Boogaloo. I feel like that's and also maybe it's because I'm personally more into the eclectic of album. Um, a lot of my favorite albums are very weird and all over the place in terms of sound. Yeah. I mean, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> um, let's see. I think... Also, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick on Easy Money. I also just like that because it has, you know, the really good, dirty rock riff to it. You know, it's like the, the symmetric blues thunk. I feel like that does still go with, like, the or guitar-centered album. It's not, like, completely out of the blue. Yeah. But it is, it is probably their second most straightforward song on this album, next to Book of Saturday. Yeah. Um, it, it might just be because of the Pink Floyd song, Money, but uh. <laughs> Easy Money gave me heavy Pink Floyd vibes. Um. This came out in 
73, so Pink Floyd was around, but I'm not a big enough Pink Floyd fan to know the exact timeline of their sound evolution, but this precedes money. Oh, this came out the same year as Dark Side of the Moon. My bad. Well, I'm not... I don't think they ripped them off or anything. I just think it's just more that, like, a, a bit more commercial, progressive, like, psychedelic rock kind of. Which one are you saying is the more commercial? The Pink Floyd or the King Which one? Oh, I'm saying Easy Money is kind of in that more commercial, like, I don't know. Maybe that's like, maybe that's a bit of a stretch to call Pink Floyd that, but yeah, I'm saying it's similar to Pink Floyd and being a bit more accessible and not, not as interesting, <laughs> but. Oh, <laughs> I mean, is it easier for the, you know, for get into than you know, talking drum probably is it you know I feel like I don't know I still enjoyed it and I felt it was still you know somewhat challenging you know it was like comfortable challenge as opposed to the other ones you know the more to take you a bit more to the extreme I would agree but like I don't know if I would say it's commercial like especially compared yeah. to Money by Pink Floyd which it's okay. I I don't know. I I just Money by Pink Floyd isn't one of my special favorites, so I don't know. Maybe this is me clinging to I found the real Money Progressive Rock song. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. The there there was very enjoyable guitar solos on here. Um I like the one on Easy Money and the the one on Exiles is probably my favorite. Um, it's more, it's very lyrical and melodic, and it's not not so much about being technical and you know cramming a ton of notes in there, um, which every, <laughs> in my in my opinion pretty much any band classified as progressive falls prey to that at least once in a while but um yeah uh i think yeah i think exiles is probably my favorite track um yeah it's got that that cool vibe that I don't know. To me, it sounds kind of like medieval, but also kind of Eastern in a way, uh, or at least just with some of the instrumentation. Like, um, and the lyrics are are cool on that one. Um, Exiles is definitely really up there for me. I would, I would probably, I would probably put Dark's Tongues one first, and then probably Exiles. Yeah. Next. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think 
I listened to this, the instrumental tracks have grown up on me. You know, the first and yeah. the last one, and even the talking drum. Um, yeah, like as you mentioned, that uh, the movements in Lark's Tongues Part One are there's a lot of contrast, and then in maybe the middle or so, you get that really heavy, like Black Sabbath sounding guitar riff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pretty sick. Um, the did you have a did you have a least favorite? <laughs> eh, I don't know. Talking drum kind of felt like it was a little bit outclassed by the rest. Yeah, that was my only one that was like you know eh, it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, rest of them really great. And yeah, like you say, like they take lots of time for solos and instrumentals. Like, I got curious to see how much of the tracks, even with lyrics, were instrumental parts. And it's like, turns out as a whole, I think this album is like 30 minutes instrumental, like 10 minutes singing. It's like, oh. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Also for the listeners at home, this is if you're this one is a little bit tougher because like most four of the six songs on here, four of them are in like the seven minute range, and one is thirteen and a half. So if you want to jump in? It's a little bit a lot, but it's a good a lot. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, there were, yeah, there were also, yeah, some kind of disturbing moments. Um, on the first track, there's like a, uh, close to the end, there's like a excerpt from a movie or something, or I don't know if you know about that like the like a field field recording of someone talking that yeah, I kinda I kinda remember something along those lines but and somewhere on a different track there's this really weird squeaking that at first, I had no idea what it was, but then it started to sound more like maybe a monkey, like <laughs> making you know monkey noises. <laughs> but it's very strange. But let's see. Oh, I think it's. Oh, that's the last. That's the last track. Um, but yeah, I mean, also just. The general, you know, the use of guitar, the way the guitar is produced is very heavy and menacing, at, or at times, yeah. I mean, very, very like, metal. <laughs> um, oh, man, there was something. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you 
I don't know. There's this like production effect on his vocals. I just can't get over really. It's just, well, I'm, it just kind of annoys me at times, but um, it sounds like a very, uh, I don't know, shallow reverb kind of, or like a echo kind of, or delay, I guess. Um, like uh, any, any songs in particular where I was like in that? Yeah. Uh, mostly Exiles and Easy Money and Book, I mean, Book of Saturday. It's kind of, anytime he sings, it, it's just this weird effect on his vocals. Um, and I was reading about it and apparently there was like a, a, it could have just been this specific version I was listening to because there a couple different ones, but um, I don't know. I think it's it seems kind of common for like seventies prog rock bands to have that. Or to like do you know, like weird sound effects or that specific one. It's that specific vocal. It sounds kind of like he's singing through a megaphone or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah. I I noticed that one. I w- I wasn't sure with like the delay stuff, but yeah, I de- that little bit of fry to it, I guess. A little bit of what? Like fry to it, like you know, it's a little bit crispy. Yeah. I think yeah that that's that's it. Um, yeah. You just get used to it, and it's it's fine, but. I don't know. I had to nitpick something. <laughs> I know that's fair. It's another one that I'm just like, oh, that's cool for me. You know, I like that. My <laughs> um, I wonder if there's anything else. Oh. <laughs> okay. Also... <laughs> I also didn't like the uh, Glee stuff on um, the, the Glee stuff. Glee's like Dooby uh, Dooby Babadoo. Oh yeah, which one? That was like Exiles, right? Yeah, it's the beginning of Easy Money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The the I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was silly. It was. I I like my musicians to be, to be very pretentious and committed to, uh, <laughs> seeming very serious all the time. They and are I, pretentious and committed to being serious. He kept his Spotify in twenty nineteen. That's good and pretentious. He outlasted Prince. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Whatever whatever you would say about that Badiba da thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was it was silly. It's 
It's a, it's a silly thing. I don't have a defense for it. It's just put my hands up in the air sometimes saying Ao. So <laughs> yeah. dooby dooby dooba. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um I love the art for this album. Yeah, really. that like sun and the moon. Yeah. Um, Very cool. I guess that gets at the idea of contrasts and like yeah. surreal imagery. <laughs> but, yeah, and like and like you had mentioned the medieval, it's it's good it's got the medieval vibe. Yeah. Kind of like uh iconography or something. <laughs> but, yeah. Also is a good contrast to like their earlier album covers, which are a lot more and surreal this is this is more of them like you know really coming together into like a they're a little bit you know tighter band yeah kind of like their um gosh what is that can album oh their take omega no i was gonna call it more their um Future days. <laughs> I don't know. Which days? Future days. That's that's really a stretch, but the long. Well, not the one with the disco. No, future days was the one that was very like it had kind of ambient. Um, it had more. Oh yeah, yeah. Too, and some like tropical sounds. I guess I probably there's a comparison there with like the first part of the first track where it's like a vibraphone or marimba or something um, which is I wouldn't call it tropical but it's the same instrument <laughs> so I don't know well, that can episode you guys should go stream late motif it was the podcast we did before this one we had fun yeah. yeah. Yep. Stuff. I think that's about all I have personally. Uh, just, you know, I'm with very excellent musicianship. If you feel like, you know, get into the weird stuff, this, this album, this episode was honestly one of the more challenging ones I've done in a while. Like, just because both of the albums were pretty heady and intellectual. But also, I comforted myself by jamming out. Yeah. You can, I'd say, yeah, you can jam out to both of these albums, really. There's some good jamming material. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do have one last uh, King Crimson fun fact. That apparently for a while they wouldn't play their older material in concert because they felt like people, we have other music, let us play it for you. And people are like, no, play in the play 21st century schizoid man again, Robert. And then eventually <laughs> they got like three drummers and they decided, we can improv. And then they just brought them back to do more weird stuff. And everyone's like, yay! Nice. Which is like the, this, that's the snooty hipster version of that one key and peel sketch about Hootie and the Blowfish. I have not seen have that. Have you seen that I'll oh, uh, have to send it to you. Should, yeah. It sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> cool. 
Uh, any any final thoughts? Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked both. I like I like this album a lot. I think. Yeah, they're both cool. Listen to them both. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. The albums that we listened to were You'd Prefer an Astronaut by Hum, Lark's Tongues and Aspic, A Terrible Recipe, because Robert Fritz, because King Crimson is a British band, by King Crimson. Yeah. Caleb Clark. Ricky Flowers. Thanks for listening to the Billy Shares Club.